Thank you, Sarah. It's always a privilege to have you here. Thanks. From the Upanishads, like two birds of golden plumage, inseparable companions, the individual self and the immortal self are perched on the branches of the same self tree. The former tastes of the sweet and bitter fruits of the tree, and the latter, tasting of neither, calmly observes. The individual self, deluded by forgetfulness of his identity with the divine self, bewildered by his ego, grieves and is sad, sometimes feels depleted and empty. But when he recognizes the worshipful Lord as his true self and beholds his glory, he grieves no more. Seeing him present in all, the wise man is humble and puts not himself forward. His delight is in the self, his joy in the self. He serves the Lord in all. The subtle self within the living and breathing body is realized in the pure consciousness, wherein is no duality. That consciousness by which the heart beats and senses perform their office. So when I was listening to that, I was just struck by Shelley's flowers and almost the two colors, the apples and the... the, uh, and, and the colourful flowers as well. Our, our theme is Heaven and on Earth today, and I just think it's a fantastic uh, arrangement. Shelley, uh, thank you so much for that. Absolutely beautiful. Great. So, um, this is, today, is the fifth in a series that I'm doing uh, on the Lord's Prayer. Um, and if you haven't been to all the other four, then you can catch up. Uh, by, uh, on the, uh, uh, by downloading our podcasts or just looking on our website. But I'll, I'll give you a quick sort of resume of where we're at at, at the moment. I, I wanted to do this uh, thing on the Lord's Prayer because it's been very important in my life. Um, about 40 years ago, someone came and gave a lecture where I was, and they, they said, look, you know, the Lord's Prayer is not just a bit of, you know, doggerel that is there in all the prayers that you sort of mumble on. You know, when Jesus was asked, how do you pray? You know, he didn't sort of go off into lots of different sort of things about birds of the air or fishes of the sea or stuff. He was very specific. He said, go into your room, shut the door and say this. And this guy, uh, his name was John Petterfield, said to me, he said, look, it was not just me, I was in an audience. He said that the Lord's Prayer is not just this particular set of words. What it is, it is a series of affirmations that open the heart and enable you to enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, really, what, what Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer is each different heart opening, each different thing opens up. And when you open all of it up, it's like opening a portal up and suddenly you're confronted with the true nature of reality. So it is a gateway. It is actually a, a sort of a code to unlock. And, and I always mention the, the film Stargate where they have to find the codes 
Kurt Russell of this parish and various other people have to find the codes that open a portal into another universe. And I always put that little symbol on the top of the service sheet, which is the, the portal opening in, in, in Stargate. So I, I'm going to give you just a quick resume as to how it, how it, how the, 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 it works. Um, and really, it, it starts off with the words, Father of us, which is really an affirmation of the existence of a reality, a divine reality bigger than ourselves. It's a, far, it's a huge statement to be able to say father of us because it says there is something else out there. And, you know, we, we talk about God and all that sort of business and we have it, but the, the actual reality of there being in existence a divine nature is amazing. So father of us, there's an equality with that. Father of us, the one who is in the heavens. And it places that divine reality in, in the heavens. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. So the kingdom of heaven is not up there. It's not somewhere else. Don't look. He specifically says, don't look anywhere else. The kingdom of heaven is within you. So father of us, the one who is in the heavens, hallowed be your nature. And that puts you in the right relationship with that div divinity. You're saying, you know, the only thing I can do, hallowed, may that, that nature be hallowed by me. May I... May I worship that way, give worth to, that's what worship means. May I give worth to that nature. Father of us, the one who's in the heavens, hallowed be your nature. And is taking you into an experience. Then may your kingdom come, which is really saying, you know, may there be completion of all this groaning and creation that's going on. May your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. I'm going to be talking about this particular phrase today. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth, which is really saying, may I conform to your purpose. May I be part of that heaven. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us today our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. He doesn't, he, John Petrful gave me a slightly different set of words translated, but, it, you know, rather than, you know, give us our daily bread. Give us today our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. That means, really, may I understand the meaning in my life? May I actually fully comprehend the experience that I'm going through? May I be conscious of it? Give us today our bread from above that gives a whole life meaning. Cancel our debts. You know, may anything that's, that's, you know, that's attached to me that I owe be let go of. And as we cancel the accounts of those indebted towards us. And may I just forgive everybody else? So you're really in that place of... of being able to act without attachment. Give us this day our bread from the beginning. Cancel us. We cancel the cancel of those in death. And let us not be led into temptation. As this flow of life happens, may I not fiddle around and try and make it go the way that I want it to go. But rescue us from evil. You know, rescue me from ill intent from other people. May I be protected from, Ill, from that ill intent. And then, you know, in the traditional version, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, which is really saying, look, here I am, little old me, but there's this hugeness that's going on. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours. That, that whole thing is much more powerful than I am. Now, in this moment of now and forever, in other words, that now that lasts forever. So in saying those words, if you can really get each of those particular lines, it opens different aspects of you, and you come to an end. Uh, when, you, when you come to the end of it, you, you're really in touch with that you know, kingdom of heaven. 
And, you know, obviously it takes a lifetime of actually working it through. But that's the basis of what, this is sort of a bit of a catch-up. Previously on, that's sort of a catch-up on what I've been doing beforehand. So, you know, as I said, you know, we've come uh, to that may your will be done as in, so, as in heaven, so on earth. So we got to that point. Father of us, the one who is in the heavens, hallowed be your nature. May your kingdom come, we did last week. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. And, you know, for me, that really says it all. That really, you know, it just puts our life, the purposes in a perspective. Having acknowledged that all things are moving towards an, an omega point, you know, may your kingdom come. May, may it all be the second coming, whatever you like to call it, call it, where all creation recognizes the mutual blessing of existence. And that's what we talked about last week. We're moving to a point where all creation recognizes the mutual blessing of existence. We then acknowledge the part that we play in the process. You acknowledge there's an end point and may your, may your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Is, is us acknowledging our part in that process. And the part we play is the giving up of the individual will for the universal mind. For giving up to that universal wisdom, that universal self that's out there. Like it says in that reading that Didi said, the individual self deluded by forgetfulness of its identity with the divine self. We feel very cut off from that divine self. Bewildered by his ego, grieves and is sad. But when he recognizes the worshipful Lord of the true self, the heaven, and beholds his glory, he grieves no more. As in heaven, so on earth. You know, you're talking about, may I experience that, that true nature? Seeing him present in all, seeing that divine self be there, the wise man is humble and puts not himself forward. His delight is in the self, his joy in the self. He serves the Lord in all. The subtle self within the living and breathing body is realized in the pure consciousness wherein there is no duality. In other words, we see heaven in everything. That consciousness where we see heaven and anything, by which the heart beats and performs and the senses perform their offices. That, you know, as in heaven, so on earth, that heaven that he's been talked about is what gives us life, is what makes a heartbeat, is what gives us anything. And that is the essence of this. And it is so interesting that that same truth of the Lord's Prayer as in heaven, so on earth, is also in the Upanishads, the Hindu scripture, which we, we just heard read. And it's also in the Taoist scripture, the Tao Te Ching, where it says, every being in the universe is an expression of the Tao. It springs into existence, unconscious, perfect, free. It takes on a physical body. It lets circumstances complete it. That is why every being spontaneously honors the Tao, hallowed be your nature. Every being spontaneously hallows the Tao. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. May the universal mind that exists in the heavens also exist in my being. May I give up my own selfish, limited view and allow the universal view and the circumstances of my life be the grist for the mill of the evolution of all beings. I saw that film, Beautiful Mind, the other day. 
um, uh, which came out in 2000. And it's just an amazing film because the essence of it is saying that the original thought that the best way for the group to succeed is for me to succeed is wrong. John Nash says, you know, his, why he got the Nobel Prize was because he said the best way for the group to succeed is for me to succeed and for me to help the group to succeed. He said that actually it is through the oneness, the realization that we are all in this together, that actually things happen. And that is an expression of, you know, as in heaven, so on earth. May I give up my own selfish, limited view and allow that universal view and the circumstances of my life be the grist for the mill of evolution of all beings. That's what this is saying. May I give up my own selfish, limited view and allow the universal view and the circumstances of my life to be the grist for the mill of the evolution of all beings. My struggle and my loving response to my struggle is the, the, um, the outworking, the way that I contribute to the evolution of all beings. And, and that's Paul's idea of living sacrifices. Paul talks about, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As I said before, the meaning of the word sacrifice is sacre ficio, sacre holy, ficio made. Living sacrifice, sacre ficio, you are made holy. It is going into a process of being made holy. And we give ourselves over to that divine will, that universal mind, that God, which is present in the heavens, as in heaven, so on earth we're talking about. And in doing so, we are made holy by being part of the divine. You know, this is your purpose in life, to be made holy by becoming part of the divine. This is why we're here. And so we take our part in the process of unfolding creation by being a part of the evolution of consciousness. We become part by our own struggle in, of the evolution of consciousness, and consciousness is evolving. And how do we do that? Well, one thing we don't do is check our brains at the door. You know, it's not, you know, oh, this is just going to happen. You don't have to think about it. You don't, none of this is about checking your brains at the door. We absolutely need our rational minds to help out what to do and how to do it. And I've talked about it in the past, but really, you know, this is about us becoming a part of the of the unfolding of the universe. And we have to find out what is at the basis of the unfolding of the universe in order for us to participate with that. You know, Einstein's question, is the universe a friendly place or not? And if the universe is a friendly place, how do we cooperate with it? Now, my perception, perception just from my perspective, is that the founding bedrock of the universe, the currency of the universe is love. You know, the universe, love, my definition of love is, is giving with, the no, with no expectation of return. Love is giving with no expectation of return. The universe was created with no expectation of return. We were given, each of us, our lives with no expectation of return. And I would suggest that the currency of the universe is love. And therefore, to cooperate with the universe 
is to be part of its unfolding. And in order to do that, we have to, we have to give ourselves in love. That's how we participate. We do what we do with no expectation of return, but just to offer ourselves in love for the universe to do with it what it wants. The universe then uses us to do with it what it wants. You know, and, and the way we, we practice that is in meditation. That, that's the purpose of meditation, is to practice that loving. We focus, if you do meditation, if this is your thing, you focus on your breath or your mantra. And whatever, whatever it is you do, to take yourselves out of your rational minds so that you can be truly present in the moment. Recognizing in that moment, in that, you know, and it doesn't have to be a meditation, but you recognize in that moment that you have everything you need, that you want for nothing. So there's nothing you have to make happen. And at the same time, we acknowledge really that we don't know anything. You've got to acknowledge that. You know, if anyone who tells you if they know what God is, I mean, you know, really. You know, we cannot conceive the nature of divinity. And we might as well admit it right now. Because you will admit it, as I said last week, on your deathbed, when you croak, you'll have to realize you just don't know. So if you admit it now, it puts you in the right place for wisdom to realize that you don't know. So you've got to be in that moment where, you know, you realize that the workings of eternal life are in fact a mystery. So you want for nothing, willing nothing, and knowing nothing. We are simply present. And by simply being present, we open ourselves to that greater consciousness because our mind's not getting in the way. That's how it works. But you've got, the mind has to work that out before it'll let you, let you do it so that you don't check your mind at the door. You've got to work this through. And when you get to that point, when you open yourself to that point, that's really the peace that passes all understanding. You know, Robert, who sits at the back, always told me that he's in hospital at the moment, he broke his shoulder. Uh, but he, he told me that, you know, understanding is the booby prize. And it, it is. It's not about engaging the mind at that level. Our consciousness becomes part of the consciousness of the universal mind. As it says in the Upanishads, Seeing him present in all, the wise man is humble, does not put himself forward. His delight is in the greater self. His joy is in the, the service of the Lord. The subtle self within the living and breathing body is realized in the pure consciousness wherein there is no duality. That, that consciousness by which the heart beats and the senses perform their office. That is us being part of the flow of life may or will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. The universal mind comes to inhabit our earthly minds. But you, you don't check, as I said, your, your rational mind at the door. Our rational minds have to become servants of that universal minds. And in order to do that, that takes discernment. You have to work out what to do. Your mind has to be willing to serve. I, was, I mentioned you know, a few weeks ago, Ram Das said, is, is, you know, you know you're on the right spiritual path where your psychodynamics serve your spiritual life rather than your spiritual life serving your psychodynamics, which is what most of us do. Our spiritual life serves our desire, need to, to, to feel important and stuff like that. It has to be the other way around. The, the mind has to become the servant because no matter how spiritual we are in meditation, you know, we still have to deal. I'm just saying, you have to deal with day-to-day -day life. You know, you do have to have that discernment. Uh, the Tao says it perfectly, the Tao Te Ching. The ancient masters were profound and subtle. Their wisdom was unfathomable. 
There is no way to describe it. All we can describe is their appearance. This, this gives an idea of what it looks like. They were careful as someone crossing an iced over stream, alert as a warrior in enemy territory, courteous as a guest, fluid as melting ice, shapeable as a block of wood, receptive as a valley, clear as a glass of water. That's the description. And then the cruncher, the crucial bit. And this is the question we have to ask ourselves in, in you know, as in heaven, so on earth. This is the question we have to ask ourselves. Do you have the patience to wait till your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till right action arises by itself? The master does not seek fulfillment, not seeking, not expecting, she is present. Not seeking, not expecting, just she is present and can welcome all things. That is the state that we're talking about here. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. That is the mindset of may your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. And the key thing is to realize that all circumstances that come to us in our lives, all the circumstances that make us feel unspiritual, all those circumstances, our illness, our desires, our lack of whatever, the trouble and toil that we go through, all these things are in fact what we are given to work with in the process of being sacrificio. Those are what we are given to work with, to be living sacrifices, to be made holy. They are the water that drives our mill, and our heart is the wheel that grinds the corn. Our circumstances are the water that drives our mill, and our heart is the, is, is the wheel that dr- grinds the corn. Now, as these circumstances occur, We shouldn't take them as evidence that our life doesn't work, but rather see them as a fuel for the process of our transformation and therefore our contribution to the evolution of all consciousness. Do you have the patience to wait until the mud settles and the water's clear? Can you remain unmoving till right action arises by itself? That is actually spiritual alchemy. That's the true meaning of alchemy. All that guff that you read about, about alchemy, this is really what it means. It is taking the dross circumstances and turning them them into the living gold through responding to those circumstances out of love. That's really what it means. We individually become windmills of love, using the wind of change in our lives to grind out love. Now, I know I'm going all over the place with metaphors at the moment, but it really... Is, is just to get over that being living sacrifices, each of us has meaning in our lives by way, the way we deal with the circumstances and the way we face our lives. Each of us, that gives our lives meaning. It is what we have to offer the world. And the way we deal with them is by using the wisdom of the universal mind. We have, there's the rational mind, our body minds, the plant minds, the planetary minds, and then there's the universal minds. Once our rational mind sees the wisdom available in the universal mind, it is prepared to say, once you see that, that there is a wisdom that's been going for, you know, 17.5, 13, 
let's stop counting, 13.7 billion years, that wisdom has been evolving. Once the rational mind sees that, it is prepared to say, may your kingdom come, may your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. May I deal with the problems that come my way using the same wisdom that the universal mind uses to create heaven. We create our own hell by refusing to say, may your will be done. That's how we create our own hell, by refusing to say, may your will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. We have to actually invite heaven into our lives and give up to its rules and parameters rather than try to work it all out ourselves. And here's one more thought. Getting to the end, you'll be relieved to hear. Actually, there is no such thing as two birds of golden plumage, inseparable companions, the individual self and the immortal self. They're perched on the self-same tree. There is only one. All minds, plant, body, planet, all are part of that universal mind. You don't have to work out which is your earthly thoughts and which are your divine ones. They're all the same because there is no separation. It is all part of the same grist for the same mill. The ego is just as much part of the universal mind as that pillar is. It's all part of it. It's all one. Our role is to witness it and get out of the way, to have the patience to wait till the mud settles. To think that heaven and earth are separate from each other and we have to move from one to the other is to fundamentally miss the precept of the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come. You miss it if you think it's separate. Father of us, the one who is in the heavens, hallowed be your nature. We are all part of that. So when it says, may your will be done as in heaven, so on earth, it is not an aspiration. May your, may your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. It is not an aspiration. It is a statement of fact. May your will be done in this earth here as it is in the heavens out there. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, may your will be done as in heaven, so it is done on earth. It is all one. Not two trees, but one tree. You know, as I said last week, you know, heaven is this world truly seen. We are all in the perfect place with the perfect lives in heaven. Heaven is this world truly seen. Let's pray. We look out into the world and see so much confusion so much creation of hell, difficulty, turmoil, so little understanding of this world being heaven and heaven being this world truly seen. We do pray that there is that understanding in the hearts of some of our leaders, that there is a wisdom and a love that they will be able to foster in all that's around them. We pray for all those in difficult circumstances, in war zones, those suffering climate change, those suffering from the difficulties of oppressive regimes, 
We pray for those in prison, those hungry and homeless, those in fear, those mourning the loss of loved ones. And we pray that our world may, in its evolution, come towards a more loving understanding of the nature of reality. And we particularly pray for those who are part of our community, for Jeannie Wallace suffering from cancer, for Rita Hunter suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease, for CP's daughter struggling with Lyme disease, for Heather Morrow recovering from a brain injury, for Pat Smith with cancer, Haley Dart recovering from a stroke, and Robert George recovering from shoulder surgery. We pray your loving spirit may flow into their bodies and heal them. In Jesus' name, amen.